Welcome to the Peace Catalyst podcast, where we share stories to inspire, uplift, and encourage you in your peacemaking journey. I'm Becca Teibel, and I work with Peace Catalysts here in the Washington, D.C. area. And as always, I'm joined by my wonderful co-host, Allie Bernison. Hey, everyone. I'm Allie, and I'm with PCI in Los Angeles, California. If you guys have been listening for a while to the Peace Catalyst podcast and you enjoy it, please do us a favor and take some time to rate and review us on Apple or wherever you listen. It helps boost our visibility and encourages others to give us a listen as well. Thanks so much. Yeah, thank you everyone for doing that. And um, this week, um, we have a very special conversation to share with you all. Um, I had the chance to travel to Poland a couple of weeks ago and to visit my husband who's working there. Um, Shout out to you, Justin. And while I was there, um, I connected with a really cool church in the town of Przemysl, Poland, which is um, about 25 kilometers west of the border with Ukraine. And um, I had the opportunity to chat with Pastor Czeslaw Kusmeter of the Nazareth Church there in Przemysl. Um, and Pastor Kusmeter was called by his local community and government leaders at the beginning of the Ukraine crisis to help with the refugees that were coming in from Ukraine into Poland. And so he immediately decided to convert the whole church into a refugee care center, um, both because of the necessity of, of the the situation and um, also because of, you know, his faith in Jesus and being inspired to um, help Ukrainians coming in who were fleeing the Russian invasion and war in Ukraine and um, also his congregation members who really stepped in to serve and offered their own homes to refugees as well. So really cool conversation learning from him and, you know, what motivates him to to do that and to continue doing that as refugees um, are coming both out of Ukraine, but more so now back into Ukraine, which we'll learn about. Um, but yeah, really excited to share this with you all and can't wait to hear what he has to say. Yes, absolutely. I am so glad that you got to have that conversation with with him and I got to listen and it there's so much for us all to learn from from him. So today our peace quote actually comes from the Hebrew Bible, the book of Deuteronomy, which we don't typically do, but it felt like it um, made a lot of sense with today's topic. So I I'm going to be reading for the from the NRSV translation of Deuteronomy 10:17 through 19. And it says, for the Lord, your God is God of gods and Lord of lords, the great mighty God, who is not partial and takes no bribe, who executes justice for the orphan and the widow and who loves the strangers, providing them food and clothing. You shall also love the stranger, for you were strangers in the land of Egypt. Thank you so much for joining me today. It's an honor. And um, I'm wondering if you can tell us a little bit about, well, tell us a little bit about yourself and your church community. And how did you get started with helping incoming refugees from the Ukraine? um, And what inspired you to do this? 
Okay. Uh, nazywam się Czesław Kośmider i jestem pastorem. Uh, my name is Czesław Kośmider and I'm a leader of a church in Przemysł. We've got around 200 members and from the very beginning of this war uh, between Russia and Ukraine uh, we were being faced uh, as a challenge. Uh, due to the fact that we live in Przemysł, which is a city very close to the border, around two, uh, 12 kilometers from the border. Due to the fact that Uh, the border is very close. The, the border is in Medica, which is very close to Przemysl, like we said, 12 kilometers. Uh, and you could use three ways to pass the border by, by taking a walk, by car and um, and by train. Mm -hmm. And because of that, a lot of refugees were crossing this border because this is basically the only border that allows you to cross uh, using those three ways. So from the first day they, this war started and the refugees started to come, we started to receive uh, multiple calls and requests for help. Yeah, as a church, we weren't prepared for that at any point. So um, at the first place, at the first time, uh, at the beginning of this problem, uh, the help was coming from the people from the church. So they were opening their houses and Uh, taking the refugees to their houses. And it, it was um, very um, spontaneous because we didn't know those people uh, that were coming in and we didn't know from where they are coming from. Yet all those old people in the church were ready to uh, to help and to offer their the homes and to, to take those refugees and help them. Yeah, it was specifically difficult for uh, during the weekdays because everyone needs to go to work, uh, to the school, and, and just live with the day-to-day -day basis life. Uh, and, well, we didn't know what to do with those people, where they have to go or what they need to do with, with all their time and basically how we can help them during the weekdays. So as soon as possible, we started to organize the sleeping places and, and the, the places for refugees in our church. So all of our meetings during the weekdays uh, were suspended because of that. And absolutely each place, each room in our church was um, a shelter, basically, including my office and, and the place where we've got gatherings. But it could not be possible without uh, help from outside. We started to receive um, a lot of um, charity. Yeah, but Also, apart the the money, we also received a lot of um, material things like like uh, mattresses or, or sheets or beds, etc. So we've got a, um, a kitchen where we normally uh, have a coffee and cake after the gatherings uh, every Sunday. We started to cook for the refugees as well, so we had a schedule, and people were. Uh, raising their opportunities to, to cook for the refugees, people from the church. And so it was not a, a Hilton environment, Hilton hotel environment, but uh, we tried to keep the, the dignity of this, those people at the high level. So everyone, um, no matter how long they were here, they received a, a fresh sheets and a fresh bed and everything that they needed, uh, along with all the, um, all the things that they left there leaving uh, in a hurry and thank, thanks for to the resources that we received from a church from Krakow which is a, a KDM and our bishop Marek Kaminski we the first things that we 
both was uh, uh, was a dryer and a washer machine, washing machine, uh, to make sure that we are able to uh, well keep up with with the um, attrition of those people. Yeah, yeah. and then we've okay. opened a, another um, bathrooms and, and stuff like that. So we try to just uh, take as many people as we can. But at the same time, we try to just keep their uh, quality uh, at high level. And so we had a schedule from that people from the, our gathering, from our church, were volunteering to, to cook, to clean, to help those people here uh, and help them even um, with the documents, with translations, with stuff like that. And when we ran out of the places in church, uh, we started to ask people or the people were rather volunteering to take those uh, refugees that are well not not able to to fit here because of the lack of the space uh, to take those people to their homes and just to like at the beginning to help them that's amazing um it's so incredible to hear how the whole church community, um, you know, came together to do this. I'm so curious to hear how many refugees have come through your church, if you know, and like Maybe. how many are there coming there today? Okay. Uh, the first weeks were the most difficult. And so in the first few weeks, we, we didn't have the, either the time or the, or the opportunity to count those people or to just pro- provide any statistics. There were so many challenges that no one even thought about it. Since we started to count those and provide uh, statistics, so yeah. those that were in our church and, and families that we know about, we calculated that it was around 1,200. So the amount of people that is coming right now in the last few months even, uh, the last two months, around two months from the last two months is significantly lower than in the beginning. But... Every single week, we've got around 10-ish people um, just uh, coming to the church and, and using the, the place to sleep. Um, both our church and the city of Przemysl, we, we had the similar or joint um, rules when it comes to taking people uh, to shelters or church as a sleeping place. And we knew we couldn't keep those people for longer than a few days. You know, our city is around 70,000 people and the border patrol is saying that uh, around 700,000 people cross the border through the city. Yeah, if we would like to keep them more than a few days, then it would be very difficult to provide at least the basic stuff for the guys that were coming in. So in the first few months, uh, as a background also, we received well a lot of volunteers came by as well from places in the world and we unfortunately we couldn't provide them a sleeping place in the church because so many refugees were, were coming in right so majority of those people of the refugees they, they were coming for two up to three days uh, and then they were either traveling to their families in, in germany or uk or switzerland and europe basically or in poland uh, in country that was my next question is where where do refugees go after coming through there so we know that a lot of refugees uh are we're we're just stopping here as a um as a one 
night, two nights top, just to take a rest, to, to take a shower, because they were staying, uh, for example, for three, four days uh, in the queue for in the border, uh, because they couldn't travel um, when they were traveling by car. They couldn't travel during the night. The queue was was standing still during the night because of the lights. They didn't want to provide the targets for for the bombs. Uh, so they only could uh, travel during the, the day. And uh, so it took a long time for them to, to travel to, to your country, basically, to Poland. And they were only staying here for to just take a rest. And they were going to the families, to, to the places they know in country or in Europe. So there were three categories of people, that, of refugees that were coming in. The first category were, were the people that they knew where they want to go and they had the resources for it to, to travel there or someone to pick them up. So like I said before, so they only needed to take a rest, take a shower, eat some dinner and go. And so the second category was similar to the first one. Uh, they knew where they want to go. They had the resources for that in most cases but they didn't know how to organize that. So we helped them to get into train, bus, plane, whatever. We, we helped them to organize all the legal things and, and they were just coming and going also until two, three days. So the last category was the, the most difficult one because the, these people didn't know any other language than Ukrainian and they didn't know where they want to go or they didn't have any place where to go and they didn't have any resources to, to go anywhere basically so we tried to find those places for them where they could go with some charity with some organizations that were helping those people from germany from us uh, from uk as well and we tried to organize the, the transport for them to that someone that will pick them up that will give them work shelter and all that stuff mm. yes yeah, so, so the biggest uh, challenge was with the people that were um, at old age uh, and, and the people that were uh, handicapped somehow. Yeah, that sounds like a challenge. How did your community kind of meet those needs for people who, yeah, were elderly or disabled? It was very challenging, but uh, I'm very proud of my community, of the people that uh, they did, that they've opened in their hearts and they did absolutely everything they could, uh, both as a, as a hospitality and as a resource providers to those people, those refugees that helped, that needed that uh, the most, especially with those people exactly that were either small children or elder people or with handicaps. And so we also had to pick the refugees from multiple borders, not only that that is 12 kilometers from our uh, city, but also from a few other borders that are 40 kilometers and more. Uh, and I also had um, a privilege to call um, some people from my community uh, at any hour at the day or night if uh, the pickup will be needed and they, I know that they will never decline that uh, that ask and that we were always using our private cars to do so no one was ever complaining and they were always helpful and no matter at which time which time I called them they always said yes no problem 
That's amazing. Sounds like this kind of response coming from your church and your community and from you was very um, natural, organic response. It's like, of course, we're going to help um, our Ukrainian neighbors who are coming into the country and fleeing war. Um, yeah. How, how would you say that your faith in Jesus and Christ um, inspires that response? Okay, bardzo dobre pytanie. It's a good question. In one of the one of the books in, in Bible, there is a, a situation uh, that comes to Jesus. Uh, I was hungry. I was thirsty. Uh, I was thirsty. <laughs> I was refugee, and you helped me. Yeah, when we're looking at those those refugees and helping them, we knew that we're uh, doing a, a God's work and we're just fulfilling this His words. We never asked those people that were coming to our houses or, or church, um, what what is your beliefs and are you do you believe in Jesus? Yeah, so there were time there were uh, times that were the people that are coming as the refugees from Ukraine, but they were not Ukrainians. Were coming to the church as well uh, and they had no place to stay and they were also not part of of our church and provided the shelter for them because that's just how the bible says we knew that these times are just showing us how we should act and how we should show the love in the practical way not only by the words and despite meeting uh, a real variety of people uh, we are not disappointed of um, serving them, of the outcome of serving them. So each person that was leaving our church uh, and going somewhere to, to the destination place, we, we blessed uh, in prayers. Uh, we prayed with them. And I always said that when you will get to your destination place, please let me know how you feel. Is everything okay? And if not, just let me know. We will either find you a better place or a different place, or we will just uh, find you a place here. It was uh, it was very common that when I was asking people where you've got my number, where did you got my number, and they were saying that someone gave it to me because they were staying at your place, and they said this guy will will help you for sure. Yeah. It, it does sound like I'm, I'm kind of a hero, but I'm no hero at all. Uh, and uh, it, would, it could not be happening that the whole um, organization and the, the charity that we did could not uh, happen uh, if not help from outside, from the volunteers that came in, from the people from the church, from the resources that we received from other churches and other organizations. So there was a day that I, I was not feeling well and I had to stay at home and turn off my phone and it turns out that they were just doing completely fine without me. <laughs> yeah, that's good. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah, it's kind of like when we just choose to be a servant of God and let him work through us. Ale nie tylko przeze mnie. But not only through me. I'm very grateful. Uh, I'm very grateful to God that I could be a part of that and I could help uh, at least somehow to those people and I could be a part of all the big help that uh, we as a community and as a church and as a country did for all the refugees. 
you know, it, it would be very unpleasant for me to stay aside and not do anything. Thank you for all that you're doing. And um, I'm curious to hear from, in your opinion, what do you think the future holds for these people who, who've had to flee Ukraine? And yeah, how can we be, as Christians across the, the world and in the U.S., how can we um, help you and what you're doing? Um, and just how can we be praying for the Ukrainian people? Okay. Uh, yeah. Teraz część osób wraca na Ukrainę z powrotem. So a lot of people is coming back to Ukraine. We are often seeing people that we we hosted already, and they were just going to somewhere in Europe, and now they are hosting. We are hosting them again because they are returning back to Ukraine. So it, it is a bit of a challenge for the, all those refugees that left Ukraine to how to um, be in contact with uh, their husbands. Uh, that were where they stayed in Ukraine because only women and children were allowed to leave. All the men had to stay and fight. So like 90-ish percent of the refugees were women and children. So there are women that are just uh, going to Ukraine for a week or two uh, just to see with, with their husbands and with uh, brothers and, and, and fathers. And they're just staying there for a week or two and they're coming back from the Ukraine and going back to, to either Poland or the rest of the Europe. So we're helping them to stay here. They can stay here for the time that they need to rest or wait for the transport and with helping them with the resources that we've got. And some of them will for sure stay in Europe or in Poland. Yeah, so we can see right now that in the past two or three, maybe two months, uh, we could see that uh, the willingness of helping people from a lot of volunteers that we can see um, across the, the country is significantly less and significantly lower uh, than than it was in the first two months. Right, so we are we're working closely with several organizations, uh, charity organizations that are helping, uh, and I'm sure that if I would call them today. There will be there will be no problem to help us, and they will not decline our our proposal. But um, I cannot reckon when was the last time someone called me and asked me, "Hey, how I can help?" Mm-hmm. Which was happening quite often, almost every day, like 10, 20 days uh, times per day, at in the first two months. Uh, thankfully, we we are not uh, short on resources yet, but I know that several organizations that were helping a lot of uh, for, um, for refugees at the beginning uh, they're running low on that on that and they had to just cut their expenses to keep on helping i think um you know it's yeah it's just amazing i'm i'm sure that i can see maybe people think that you know the help isn't as necessary anymore maybe or something like this um or do you think it's that they are becoming more apathetic. Which one do you think uh, it is? Yeah, I think that the people that were think that are thinking about this and are seeing the or were helping in the past, they need they know uh, that the help is still needed because the people are coming, maybe not in such a vast way, but they are still coming and they need food, shelter, and everything. Yeah, but uh, well, I don't need to tell you how media is acting right now when it comes to war and when it comes to refugees. So in the first few weeks or even months 
on our train station where a lot of refugees were coming in. We had uh, all the medias and all the stations of the whole world, like CNN, CBC, BBC, you name it. And just mm-hmm. see that everywhere. It's I, busy. I cannot reckon when was the last time when I saw a camera here in Shamish. I think that people are a bit tired of, of uh, the war and it started to be uh, a very common thing and no one is just focusing on that as much as they were uh, a few months ago. So one of the things that we're doing is to just um, send the, the charity and the help to Ukraine uh, directly to Ukraine, just across the border. So a part of the, the refugees that are coming from Ukraine to the rest of the Europe, uh, there is also a lot of uh, migration inside Europe, inside Ukraine, where the people from um, from the the eastern U- uh, Ukraine are coming to the western side, where there is well, war is not so visible. Yeah, obviously there are some problems with so many people coming in. They they also finding it difficult to, to find a job and to find a place to stay and etc. I was going to ask. So, in in our organization, Peace Catalyst, we talk about you know p- peace building and and peacemaking and shalom, like the biblical concept of shalom, which is basically kind of the idea of everything being restored to what God originally intended for the earth and humanity. Um, how would you say that caring for refugees contributes to Shalom? So a lot of people that were coming in, uh, apart the standard needs like food and shelter and resources, they were also very frightened and terrified. So the even um, like um, police or or paramedics, uh, the sound of their uh, cars were just uh, a problem for them. They were terrified about the noises. Yeah, they, they were all always asking, "What's happening? Is it here? Is it the bombing or anything like that?" And and we were just nothing is happening. Just so someone needed some help, right? Paramedics. I think that each person that we help is somehow experiencing that the, the God's uh, peace and shalom. So when they were coming in and coming by, we tried to fulfill all the needs they had and that we could fulfill and that we could help them. They were saying that the first time for from a very long time, they feel safe. Uh, we were also not um, making any differences, regardless of which language they were, they were talking uh, was the Russian, Ukrainian, English. And also there were also a lot of people from multiple beliefs, like multiple churches, uh, but we were never asking them, what is your belief? For me, uh, Shalom is not only uh, a place without war, but it's just a peace for everyone, regardless of the state that you're in, and to, to make sure that you are giving that peace to the people that need that, uh, regardless are they at war or not. And that kind of peace and shalom, we, we are contributing here and trying to show the food to those people. So uh, I was wondering um, who is the most important person in all that organization, all that helping and all that charity that we're doing. 
Um, and I know that a lot of people is helping us from outside, the volunteers and a lot of uh, organizations, a lot of other churches, etc. But I've got absolutely no doubts that the most important person is Jesus Christ. Oh, yeah, that's incredible. And it's it's amazing to hear how you are being shalom makers where where you are and, and bringing shalom to these people. Um, how can how can we support you? For our listeners, um, if there's anything that we can do to support you, what what would that be? I really hope that people in U.S. are praying for us and for our support uh, because we really, really need that. And, and I'm very grateful and I would like to thank to all of the U.S. Uh, people that helped us, that sent the resources and these, it, it was from individuals from churches, from organizations, uh, and we are really, really grateful for that, and it was a great help. We don't know what will the future bring, but we are here, we're here to help, and we will help as long as it, is, it, will, it will be needed. Uh, as a side note, we're also uh, just, one of the reasons is, is that for those refugees, we're looking for a bigger place, because the building that we're in right now uh, it's a bit too small for uh, the refugees and for us as a gathering. So we're looking for a different place, resources, and all the um, way to find it because it's not so easy to find it in our small city. Yeah, definitely. Well, is there anything else that you'd like to share with our listeners in before we close? Uh, so... I know that absolutely everyone can be engaged and can be uh, can help. Um, and if someone told me like before the war, before the situation, that we will be able to help so many people and that we will have so many people engaged from the community, I would say that it's he's crazy and it's impossible. Uh, if someone would also told me how how big amount of resources people. Um, and time we will need to help those people and how much it will cost, I will also say that it is impossible. But we started small and the gods make it big. So everyone can help and just start with what you, what you have. You don't need to uh, help more than you've got. But if you, have, if you will help with what you've got already now, the God will make it big and it will, it will make happen make it happen I'm, I'm very grateful i would like to thank you for all your good work and that you you decided to um engage in to do that interview with us uh, with, with me uh and because we can see that a lot of people are terrified still the people that are coming in and especially children that are coming in because they are being um, taken from their their homes and their places, their safe places, and they've got absolutely no idea what is happening. And we can see that they are suffering and especially children is what we're seeing the most here. Mm. Well, I can understand that it's a bit different situation for us where we are just living next to the Ukrainian border and for people that are in the US, but we can help uh, each other to uh, fulfill the problems that we've got so to, to be um, a, be supportive 
like your resources was help, were helping us and are helping us to help those people. So we are helping in your behalf. Uh, we had a, a lot of people from, from Europe, from US, and from multiple organizations and churches that they wanted just to, to be here, especially from the church. Uh, they wanted to mm -hmm. see on their own eyes how does it look like and how they can help and what exactly the needs are for those people that are coming from Ukraine. And we also had volunteers from US uh, and they were very productive. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. That's great to hear. Well, thank you so much, Jonkuya. This is uh, so wonderful to talk with you and thank you for, for your time to be with us today. was such a great conversation and um, such an honor to speak with Pastor Kusmeter and um, yeah, just learn more about their story of helping refugees and yeah, really just being the hands and feet of Jesus and, you know, rising to meet a need um, inspired by their faith in Jesus. So it's really, really cool to, to get that chance to talk with them. I know, um, yeah, for a lot of us, yeah, we care a lot about what's happening in Ukraine, and um, but sometimes it can be hard to kind of keep up with everything that's going on, and mm -hmm. um, you know, find practical ways to to help from where we are here in the U.S. Ali, I don't know, yeah, like how have you been impacted by what's happening there, and um, what does that look? What has that looked like? I guess for you. Yeah. You know, I mean, I think it's interesting because in the early days, I, um, I found that it was very top of mind and top of conversations with friends and, um, you know, even in faith communities, it was something that was discussed and, um, not even just talking about things, but there were invitations to, um, you know, contribute financially or, um, invitations to prayer, um, for just prayer over the conflict, prayer for the people in the land. Mm -hmm. Um, mm -hmm. and now I, it, it is very much less so. And I think it's an interesting study or just, um, example of how quickly we can be, I mean, I shouldn't say we, I, can be desensitized to conflict and violence. And it actually reminds me of our conversation um, with Julia Bacha mm -hmm. on the podcast when she was talking about, um, and I forget exactly the language that she used, but basically the concept that um, even, even if we're just talking about something and bringing light to something like that is still valuable and that um, makes impact, you know? And so the fact that, in my particular circle, at least, Ukraine has, um, the conversation has, has moved away from um, the conflict, even though it's still in the news and it's, it's still, um, it still very much needs attention and prayer and all, and all of those things. Um, it's just interesting. And so the other day, actually, I 
was um, at a local church and which I, I I've loved going to this local church because they have um, an outreach to the unhoused community and it's an oper- weekly and it's opportunity to um, you know, there's case managers there. Um, and then, you know, we also have some food and clothing and anyway, um, just an opportunity to build relationships. And, um, there was a family who approached, uh, a mom and her young daughter, and they were speaking very, very broken English. And I wondered just based on their look, if they were from Ukraine. Um, and, but yeah, wasn't necessarily sure. And then later I found out they indeed were. Um, but that was just kind of a wake up moment for me just of like, okay, this is something felt like an invitation of like, this is, this is not only something happening over there, but it's, and even if it was like, that doesn't give us permission to dismiss it. Um, but it's, but it's something happening right here in our midst in the sense that, you know, we're surrounded by refugees, um, you know, as, yeah, as, as I was, as we were discussing it at the beginning, um, just with the, the verse from Deuteronomy, you know, we're, we're called if, if we're, if we're people of faith, um, we're, we're called to care, um, and to respond in some way. And so anyways, yeah, I guess that's how this whole episode hit me was like, yes, we can, um, and we should, you know, acknowledge what this pastor is doing, over there, but also there's probably a call here as well for us to respond to. Yeah, that's that's such a good um, reminder and such a good practical like application for us because, yeah, each of us has that opportunity right where we are to, yeah, to love those in need and serve and, um, yeah, like Pastor Kuzmeter was saying, like when we do that for people, it's like we're doing it for Jesus, right? Mm-hmm. So. That's such a good reminder for us. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe, rate, and review on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you listen to podcasts. And for more info about Peace Catalyst and help support our peacebuilding work, please visit our website at peacecatalyst.org. Thanks, everyone. Bye.